You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to On The Way. I am Beth White, your host this morning. I am from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship for the Archdiocese of Chicago, and I welcome you to our monthly radio show. So today we are going to talk about spiritual renewal, and a key part of that is evangelization, but it's an overall process that we're undergoing in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So it began with the Renew My Church process. It's a component of it, and now we are pretty much all of our parishes have, there are some, there are just a few outliers, but most of our parishes have gone through what we called uh, decisions and discernment, where we came up with what our parishes were going to look like after they made some decisions on the ground about which parishes would stay open, which ones would consolidate, that sort of thing. And so now we're moving really full force into what we would call spiritual renewal. It's called building the new reality. And today, on today's show, I have the great privilege of having two people who have been at this for about four years. So in the Archdiocese, we've been, as it were, stage-gating people into the building the new reality. And so Immaculate Conception, which is on the north side of Chicago and on Talcott, we say our lovely way of saying it is I see Talcott. I have with us today, I have Michael Tom, who's the evangelization leader there, and Father Matt Heinrich, who the two of them have been really leading this spiritual renewal effort in the parish. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for yes, being Yes, thank you here. for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our listeners, just to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about your parish? And so you started this whole process in 2018. So you can just share a little bit about maybe Father Matt, your parish itself and what its demographics. Just give us a little sense of your parish. Yes. Uh, Immaculate Conception on the northwest side, which is in Norwood Park of Chicago, um, nestled really right on the very edge. So we have Park Ridge, Norridge, Skokie, lots of other suburbs right on the edge of us. We're a kind of central hub um, of 90 and 294 right by O'Hare Airport. So we're really uh, kind of centrally located as far as the diocese is concerned, not the city, but the diocese itself. We're kind of centrally located along a lot of different travel and whatnot. Um, a lot of strong uh, Catholic schools here in the neighborhood. Our, our school currently is about 555 uh, kids in here. Um, and a lot of turnover in this neighborhood. A lot of nurses, uh, officers, firefighters, teachers, what have you. And so there's a lot of turnover. A lot of people retire, move out. We get a lot of young families moving in. So I'd say as far as compared to other neighborhoods in Chicago, perhaps 
lots of turnover, lots of uh, new blood, if you will, always coming into the neighborhood, but also a very well-established Immaculate Conception Parish has been on the Northwest side for almost 120 years. Excellent. And so whereas our maybe our inner city ones would have a lot of transition from young adults, you're actually getting the young adult families that are moving in there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So so tell us a little bit about your your beginnings of spiritual renewal. So Michael, you started this um Father Bat came as associate to the parish in 2018, and you took on the role as evangelization lead. So what has it been like for you um, in that, those very beginnings? What did you do? Uh, in the beginning, it was an amazing. Uh, it was an, in the beginning, it was amazing because at the time, Father Robert Baddock was asking us, I was a member of the parish council, and he kept asking who wants to step up to lead uh, Alpha and who wants to step up to lead evangelization. They were kind of the same same program so i kept asking and kept asking and kept asking and i finally said okay i can sense that the holy spirit's leading me in this direction so i'll go ahead and volunteer uh, i'll step up what is it that you need me to do and then uh the amazing thing the very first thing he did was he empowered me to go ahead and run the program uh he empowered me to go ahead and run alpha he goes take ownership of it it's yours formulate a team build a team and then uh from there uh get yourself grounded into what the program is or and then uh, start launching it uh, put together a, a schedule for here at the parish and uh, go ahead and launch it and uh sat together with my team immediately pulled three or four people together with me and i thought might be interested and then uh it's been an amazing ride ever since uh, i haven't stopped so michael's explaining the process of being a lead and picking a team and getting started with a charismatic entry point and you did that for a while, and then obviously COVID hit, which wasn't great for any of us. And that's about the time you stepped up to be the pastor. Is that right? Correct. In 2020? Correct. So mm-hmm. you're one of the first pastors that transitioned from Father Robert got another another role. And right. uh, you, so he left, and then you moved into the role. And so you're probably the first pastor to transition in the middle of uh, a renewal effort. So what was that like for you? I feel I was very lucky and maybe it's lightning in a bottle uh, in one sense that uh, Father Robert was pastor of Our Lady of Victory, which was my home parish oh. growing up. So he met me as a college seminarian. Uh, he was very uh, supportive of my vocation, uh, very supportive of getting me involved from even a very young age. Uh, from seminary uh, to major seminary and to diaconate and so on. Um, And so he was always very gracious and very willing to get me involved in the parish. So when the opportunity arose uh, to go to a new parish and Father Robert was looking for an associate at the time, um, it it really was a a perfect combination because uh, not only did he know me and I knew him, but we had a mutual trust and respect. And I, I really do think in the work of renewal, um, that trust and respect between priests and in our particular instance, that friendship, that mentorship went a long way that when he knew that he was going to his new assignments and um, helped me to discern uh, being pastor at Immaculate Conception, because it was a discernment process, mm-hmm. he was also there with me in those two years as associate of putting me in leadership. He was, he was very confident that I was going to be pastor eventually, 
So he wanted me to put in that position of administrating certain things, uh, running certain things, leading certain meetings. And, and that certainly helped the transition process a great deal. Hmm. So he was really modeling that lifting up leaders part that we'll talk Absolutely. about a little bit later. I'd agree completely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what was the biggest learning curve for you, though? I mean, obviously, you, you were already there. Um, but taking on sort of this renewal and most of it, most of our work is done pretty much with the pastors. So, um, and then leading over to working with uh, lay people to run the evangelization efforts. So what was that learning curve for you? I think the major learning curve is that so much of us are just trying to get a vision for our own life. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we want to do? What do we want? what do we want? What do I want my career to look like for one person? What do I want my family to look like? What do I want my priesthood to look like? And, you know, now becoming pastor, it's like, it's a vision of an organization for lack of a better word that rather than just trying to figure out how do I fit as a piece into this? Now you're also the guardian of the vision of the whole parish what direction do you want the parish what what do we emphasize what do we focus on what do we invest in and uh it can be very difficult especially in this period of where we're focusing on renewal and kind of going down to the foundations and building up again it's kind of a double experience of not having been in that position in my private life or or in my sacramental life of, of having to build something from the ground up. Mm. So it's still a a great deal of a learning process. Yeah, that is, that is a, it's a big lift to move into the the pure leadership role. We we Mm. worry a lot about our own roles, but then when we have to start Mm. leading others, that's a big transition for folks. Mm. So Michael, what was it, um, what was it like for the transition for you for, to move from one boss to another boss <laughs> and one pastor to another <laughs> pastor uh it was uh, it was interesting uh, let's just put it that way uh, father robert and father uh, matt are two different uh, personality types so uh father robert and i were both on the same wavelength so to speak and then uh you know we're three years down the road you know we're already operating three years down the road and father matt is not like that at all and that's fine uh so for me it was uh, i had a you know rightly so he had to ring me in a little bit because i was way ahead of everybody else and if, if i had kept going at my track uh i probably would have run over everybody else that's part of the team and they just all would have fallen away so father Matt in his wisdom actually had to pull me back and and uh, reminded me that we have to grow organically it's not a you know a blast and take off but it's a matter of being strategic about how we grow where we grow how we grow and uh, that was uh, key uh, for me uh, because it was something that, uh, you know, I was told just go run with it, run with the Holy Spirit and uh, take it wherever he goes. And here it was, let's, let's slow down a little bit and uh, recalibrate and rethink. And uh, that, that turned out to be a real blessing because uh, uh, it gave the other members of my team a chance to catch up and kind of grasp what it was that we were trying to do. Uh, so I was truly grateful for that. Yeah, that is. I haven't told him yet. I haven't told him yet, yet, but I am grateful. That that really is the risk of this is that in renewal we can those that catch the fire can 
actually end up scorching the earth sometimes because they can go so fast that they leave people behind. So it really is that challenge of having that energy, but then being able to balance that. So Father Matt, why did you really feel in your gut that that was an important part of this, the strategic, the slow build? Because I, I think that it's it's the practical way that renewal takes place in parishes. I really do believe that um, when you look at a lot of parishes in the archdiocese and, and in Renew My Church, uh, we as I think we're just about finishing the final wave of it, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. every parish kind of looked at what do we do? What do we offer? What are we doing here? And many parishes have maintained the same number of offerings mm -hmm. of service projects, groups, opportunities, uh, so on and so forth. And yet the numbers have declined and the engagement has declined. So is it is it simply a matter of duplicating groups or creating just new service opportunities that will improve engagement or is it something else and i think michael and i are of of same mind that a lot of what renewal is at its core has to involve god and your relationship with god and your understanding of how he's speaking to you both in the obvious moments of encounter in your day-to-day -day life, but also in the silence of your heart through through prayer. And so when I look at strategy, it's it's about culture change as well. And that's a, a common phrase being used mm -hmm. more and more throughout the diocese. And I think that culture change is that strategy that emphasizes that particular thing, a relationship with God first and building off of that foundation. Mm. So we're going to break for a um, – we're going to take a break. And when we come back, mm -hmm. I'm going to um, continue our conversation just to break open a little bit more um, what you're talking about, about culture. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. This is your 44 for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off. 
and it's a thrill. People are always amazed, what, what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know I'm only alive Because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning. I am just having a conversation about spiritual renewal with Father Matt Heinrich and Father, and not Father, but uh, Michael Tom. Um, <laughs> you are a real father. There you go. Biological father. Um, and they're both from um, Immaculate Conception um, in um, up on Talcott. We always say I see Talcott. Um, so we were just having this conversation. You were at the before the break talking about the culture change and the focusing not so much on the number of ministries or programs or service opportunities, but more about putting God at the center. Could you explain that just a little bit more, what that looks like for people? Because I think people would say, well, God is the center of a church, right? But what do you, what do you mean by that? I think that um, for us at the parish, it's, it has to be manifested because we see the statistics out now of how many people identify as being Catholic or believing in God, but it doesn't manifest itself in any sort of different attitudes or, or behaviors in, in worship or community, mm-hmm. one or the other. Um, and so in focusing on those programs, uh, Michael uh, helped to lead and to establish our Alpha program here at the parish. That's the program we've chosen as the primary tool of entry point and evangelization. And we've used that. He participated in it. I was also part of the pilot uh, group having done it. So I went through Alpha also. Mm-hmm. And just to have a moment to, through the videos, reflect on spiritual things, to have open discussions that weren't about educating one another or necessarily catechizing one another that comes later mm-hmm. but as a tool of just opening people up in public with the people that they maybe see all the time in church in the neighborhood but talking about spiritual things really it, it's such a simple 
foundation, but I think it has such a, a profound effect on the person who participates. We're all our culture, our general culture, um, not just in our parishes, but our overall culture dissuades people from really talking about their faith in any place. And so we found as part of this is just this ability to create space for people to talk to people about their experiences because God is at work in everyone's life, right? And we, we believe that in some way and giving them the opportunity to sort of share that with each other. So Michael, how is working on Alpha how, what have you seen through that about people really being able to talk about their faith and the experience? How are people experiencing Alpha in your community? Through relationships primarily. I mean, the thing that I love about Alpha is that it's, it's wholly relational. Uh, relationships with one another and relationships with Christ. Uh, there's no question that the ability to have a conversation about spiritual things, just at a point where you are as an individual. And this really doesn't matter where you are in terms of your discipleship journey, but to, to be able to have a conversation with somebody else uh, about spiritual things is hugely rewarding. It's uh, emotionally fulfilling, it's spiritual fulfilling. And from my perspective as a layperson, it really builds or leads to the foundation of uh, you know community that everybody claims is one of the greatest benefits of the gift of being a Catholic. But if you really want to sense uh, a true sense of community, by all means, come to, you know, Alpha works for us. I'm not going to say it's the tool, but it certainly is a very good tool to build community. And that relational aspect of what Alpha provides and what Alpha brings to the table is part, uh, at least one of the key fundamentals of the strengths of the program. So what is it, um, not to just keep talking about alpha, but what is a carrot we call it a charismatic soft entry point. So what Correct. is it, um, Father Matt, about alpha that you see as a beneficial for Catholics um, to gather or, or people um, away from the church or anyone in between to engage with alpha? Because I think that alpha, the program specifically focuses in its early stages on things common to the human condition and really evangelization when from the earliest days, you know, the Jews awaited a Messiah. They knew the language of Messiah, but the Greeks, the Romans did not have that language. So the things common to their human condition of, of life and, and afterlife of expectation of purpose of morals of, of what have you alpha is very good in its early stages talking about, things common to the human condition that are in a in a appropriate space like alpha creates i believe mm-hmm. it, it creates a nice opportunity to converse about those things and then along the way it introduces that christian perspective to it how does jesus respond to our hopefulness and our desire for purpose how does he respond to our anxieties about the future or our or even our fear of death, whatever it may be. And and gradually it introduces that, how Jesus speaks to the human condition and how the Christian faith, the Catholic faith, allows you to navigate life, but with confidence. Um, I think a big part of that, of, of what our faith truly promises us, is that freedom to live as children of God. And, and the confidence of knowing 
that we're a son and a daughter of God. Hmm. And how, when you, um, the two of you look at Alpha, I know that you have been pretty systematic in your way of trying to grow it and grow the leadership within it. Mm-hmm. Um, why, thinking about like Father Matt, your, your systematic sort of approach, why is that important from your perspective is to go slower with making sure that you're lifting up leaders? It allows us to recognize that um, part of the principles of, of Alpha and, and some parishes sometimes, you know, struggle with Alpha because the we're, we're big believers at IC that we want the experience to be professional, not professional in, in a kind of cold corporate way, but well-prepared, well-serviced. And, and I remember a conversation early on in our team meetings where unsolicited, each of our team members brought up that the experience of the participant in Alpha is is key, is supreme mm. above all else. And rather than put some food on a table, throw a video on a screen, sit in a circle of chairs and, and talk about it, that's the bare bone structure, but to have people in hospitality who are attentive to how are people getting to know each other, to have facilitators and MCs like Michael and his team able to guide a conversation with people, to have a have a, a setup of audio and video that works, you know, even something <laughs> as simple as that, to show people that you're prepared, that you're honoring their time, that they are taking a, a leap of faith, if you will, in, in trying this out. And we want to honor their sacrifice in a way. And I think just that giving off that impression to people is so very important. So I think in our case of moving slow and and gradually building is making sure that every team member who comes on understands that above all else, that the experience and the, the joy or the peace that you experience you experienced yourself, that's the number one thing that we want to give to everybody. And Michael, would you do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I wanted to, uh, the thing that popped into my mind I was thinking about right away is, is a couple of things. One is, even myself, especially from my own perspective, uh, Alpha has taught me how, how to be a better listener. So as a, you know, somebody that's offering a program, we're, we're quick to come up with a response to help somebody navigate whatever struggle it is that they're having. And to a certain degree, I think we had, uh, for me, it was a matter of slowing down and just listening. Because sometimes people just need to vent a complaint. They're not looking for an answer. They don't want an answer. They just want to know that somebody's going to be there to listen. So learning how to listen for me was key. And then along with listening, uh, I also learned how to be a little bit more vulnerable. Because if I'm gonna build a real relationship with somebody, I too have to be vulnerable. I too have to be willing to take risks because I'm building a relationship with a stranger that I've never met before. And I think that it's, that's not just for me, but I think that's for all of my team. I think mm. whether they realize it or not, they've taken a risk and being vulnerable every time we have a new alpha session because we're meeting strangers and we, we're becoming friends with strangers. It's true that we see these people possibly in church, but some of these people I've never met before. Yeah. And now I consider them lifelong friends. Yeah. And that's one of the struggles with um, 
I think anyone, we say Catholics in particular, but I think we just know Catholics better, um, is that ability to just sit and share our faith with each other um, and to because it's very vulnerable because um, you never know how someone's going to receive it. Um, I, you know, I, I wonder at how much people receive it very positively, though. Um, we're mostly afraid that people are going to reject, and that's more rare than we actually, people are hungry for these kinds of conversations. And so when we get back from break, I want to talk a little bit about what we're talking about now is this sense of the who and really focusing on how to build up the who in our midst. Um, we as church talk a lot about the what, like what are we going to ne- do next? How are we going to do that thing? And I run into that in my role. It's like, well, we're just going to run this program and we'll fix everything. And we say you can use that program, but unless you have the right people running the program, it actually isn't going to work. So when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about that emphasis on the who. We are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. 
It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your host for the morning, and we're having a conversation with Michael Tom and Father Matt Heinrich from Immaculate Conception. And we're talking about spiritual renewal, and in particular about the effort to bring about a culture change in our communities and lift up leaders. And so we were just talking about, before the break, about Alpha, a tool that they use in their parish, and the importance of putting in place a professionalism. Um, we would also say that that sort of wrapping it in radical hospitality, really spending this time and energy to show people that they matter, like you would prepare your own home when people come over. Um, and you, you show people you care by spending the time and the effort to really put things in place. And so when you look at this, it, it, you said that when you're lifting up leaders, you really want them to have that perspective as you move them forward. So I want to shift our conversation a little bit to what comes next? How do you focus on the, the um, leaders? Because we can only, we, we build out so many people within alpha but then we need people things that come after it's always the question like what comes after alpha so what have you guys been doing uh, to look at what comes after alpha father matt uh, shall, shall i go first yes sure. um, um well we recently have just now after this period of time uh, started our connect group so essentially a post alpha an alpha alumni group here at the parish and that connect group we have now 70 alumni of alpha uh, some who have moved away or, or because of work or family have not been able to be with us but overall um our past two connect sessions have been about 33 to 35 people nice. uh, so 50 percent of our, our entire alumni base over these past four years have come together now twice for going deeper in topics of prayer discernment uh, scripture. We're doing planning a service project together in December. Awesome. So we've just begun our process of building out um, up and out from our Alpha program. So we spent just about three years, three uh, full years, not only putting the foundation of Alpha, but how to bring leaders into and train those leaders. Uh, and that's been a major focus. So the original original pathways out of Alpha were leadership, in hospitality or alpha, or in some form of leadership in ministry on our weekend for our worship. Mm. And now we're starting to build out our connect group, which is 
a little bit more discipleship oriented. Mm -hmm. And gradually from there, as we continue to have a place for the more seasoned leaders to grow up to and take more responsibility thereafter, then we start looking at, at service and more specialized groups of, of ministry. Mm. And so in this, you're really focusing on, you just said discipleship. So you're Mm -hmm. focusing on, um, the people, not so much the program. I wasn't hearing mm-hmm. that we're doing this awesome next program. We're actually mm-hmm. so. <laughs> so tell us, um, the listeners, a little bit more. That's just really culture change in our diocese. I, I the, the whole sense mm-hmm. of it's not program plus program plus program. How how are you really? It's a struggle though, right? That's it's yeah. it's kind of hard. Tell tell our listeners a little bit about why you're focusing more on the individual path about what a person is called to. I think because it makes them feel alive. Uh, Michael and I went to a divine renovation conference in Texas. And even in our own four years of doing this, what I really loved about going to that conference was that, you know, sometimes just little things about challenging the assumptions that you've kind of settled on over the course of time are are challenged or, or tweaked a little bit. And it talked very much about how, leaders and genuine leadership in people in the church is not just about, can you hold this pamphlet or this bulletin over here for me? Um, Can you count some envelopes for me? Can you put these coats in in the back of your truck and, and drive them to this place? It's about engaging their relationship with God and others. And I think those are the things that make us feel most alive. And as our relationships grow and build over time, then we're more attentive to the needs of the community because we're more attentive to the needs of others, not just a program, but in in focusing on those relationships and realizing how good they are, you're also more attentive just to the need of what's in front of you. I think a parish, and for me, parish renewal is also about that definition of parish, of how are we servicing our local community right here, because if everyone needs Christ, it means our next door neighbor needs Christ just as much as the person on the opposite end of the city does. Exactly. Exactly. And so for you, Michael, what I know that you've been focusing on lifting up leaders and walking with leaders, why do you think that's an important part of this renewal effort? Uh, Personal side to this is a Coming back from the conference in in, uh, Texas, uh, the part that was driving me was the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this has been on my mind for a while. Uh, So my thinking is that if we can get our teams, or I've been talking to my evangelization team about this as well, is if I can get them dialed into what their gift of the Spirit is and put that gift into action. Uh, One, you'll see the fruits of the Spirit come come to life. Uh, throughout our parish. So while they're part of my evangelization team, uh, getting them dialed into what their gifts of their spirit are and putting those things into use will make them natural evangelists because people will see the gifts of the Holy Spirit working through them and they'll be attracted to that. So raising up leaders for me is is a matter of getting people in tune with, with what their gift of the spirit is. Everybody's been given a gift to raise up the church, to advance God's kingdom. So if we can dial into what that gift is within the individual, 
It's something that God has made for us, for us as individuals, handcrafted by God for us to do something with. So let's find out what that gift is and then really start thinking about how we're going to put it into motion. And for me, that's ownership. Uh, I own my faith. I take ownership of the gift that God has given me, and I'm working towards building up this church and advancing his kingdom. So when I think about raising up leaders, I'm thinking about people that are in tune with what their gift of the spirit is and then really rising up to the occasion to exercise that gift. And so part of that, what I'm hearing in you, so I'm hearing a couple other key phrases we use, is that only engaged disciples can help someone else who's less engaged to become mm-hmm. engaged. Like you have to be someone who is um, is in tune with your community. And it doesn't mean that you're like running a ministry or anything like that. It just means that you feel like this is your spiritual home that you're willing to invite someone into or that mm-hmm. you're a part of this group and that you'd be willing to invite them in. And so that's a key part of what I'm hearing too. It's not so much, it's helping people recognize their own giftedness so that they can bring those gifts anywhere in their, in their life to be able to, it doesn't mean running a ministry necessarily, right? I mean, it could, I mean, obviously we need people to do those kinds of things, but we also need to lift people up in their own world, right? Right. And and might I add, uh, Elizabeth, that you can tell from the way that even I've discussed, so I'm glad Michael and I are both here, you know, at least as a point a frame of reference for people that you can tell by the way that I speak, maybe it's a bit more of the pragmatic procedural. And, and I've always appreciated Michael because he, he really relies very heavily on that, that spiritual language and, and almost mystical language, you might even say, or, or charismatic, whichever word people might prefer for that. But it goes to show that both of us are passionate about the same end goal of bringing Christ to people, of engaging people in their faith and wanting them to feel alive in their faith and in their community of faith, not just their personal faith, but a community of faith and, and family of faith. And so that that importance for any other parish, building a team, you don't have to just have a group of like-minded people or or people with the same way of, of communicating, like the exact same language, there's a common language, but different styles and hearts and personalities appeal to, to the to same sort. So to have that balance on your evangelization team, alpha team, whatnot, I think goes a long way in attracting a broader spectrum of people. I love that, Father Matt. We, we encourage that all the time is to really look at the cross-section of your community, not just the demographics of school parents and older people, but languages and spiritualities. Because we recognize, especially as many of our communities are unified, they've unified different spiritualities. They're bringing different experiences, different charisms into into union with each other in, in a new parish. And we have to respect that and respect that we're this great big tent of a church that has very different ways. And we often say God reaches for us who we are through who we are, what attracts us. And so having people that can speak to us, like people would be attracted to you, Father Matt, like in the way that you talk, and some people will be attracted to to Michael. Um, And that's an important piece. So thank you for bringing that up. So as um, as you look at the renewal, how hard is this? Or is it easy? It, it's hard. I, I easy cop out answer. Hard and easy, right? It's 
it's it's easy well, it's in the sense that if you're passionate about something and 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 getting back down to the core of of what faith is and what attracted me to priesthood and and what brought Michael to marriage and raising a family and and eventually to this work of evangelization when you're tapping into that core it's not always like you're Michael's always laughing but I'm not always laughing uh, about <laughs> about everything but there, it's not just about joy, like as in happiness. I, I've always thought yeah. of joy more as about a confidence in what you're doing today. That when you wake up, you say, like, I've got a purpose, mm. and I can move forward in that. And that, that to me, is much more joy um, than just the happy moments. But even in the difficult moments, we're working hard. And I've seen Michael work so very hard in that. And I know that comes from a place of, of great joy and pursuit of that, of that vision and of the mission of, of Christ, most importantly. Hmm. Michael? Yeah, that's true. Before I begin, I just want to say it's, it's okay to be charismatically Catholic. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, actually, Michael, uh, I'm being told I have to take a break. So you can hold on and I'll <laughs> hold that thought. It's our last break. Okay. So we'll be back in a minute to continue our conversation. It's still okay. have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit, and now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers 
who despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. Can a dead man come back to life? For this I know I'm only alive Because I'm a man that calls Jesus Christ I'm a dead man walking, come back to life Well, I'm on my way I can't get there on my own Welcome back to On The Way. Um, I'm having a conversation with Michael Tom and Father Matt Heinrich from Immaculate Conception. And before we took our break, Michael was saying that it's okay to be a charismatic Catholic. So, Michael, do you want to continue your thought there? Uh, sure. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, uh, just to be alive in the Spirit. I mean, just shout hooray shout amen when, when you hear the word of the spirit uh, come across during a homily father matt's doing it all the time uh whether he hears me or not i am saying amen and hallelujah he's, he's talking uh, i don't do that so that's cool but i don't do that either <laughs> I, I see his teenage children rolling their eyes when he does it i think exactly, exactly. it's awesome though good for you uh, but back to your point uh your question earlier about what are some of the challenges uh, and some of the joys. Obviously, working in the spirit is a joy. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, I've been able to keep plugging away at this for four years because I do wake up in the middle of the night and just feel uh, confident that this is where the Lord wants us to go. Mm. Right. So th yeah. there's always that joy, that underlying joy of whatever it is that we're doing. But the struggles, of course, are are many because, you know, from my perspective as a lay person, uh, I wasn't given this task, or I didn't accept this task with with, with a, kind of a check-in-the-box type application, it was build this from scratch. So there's no real, uh, from my perspective, there was no real game plan or no real defined outline of how this was going to fall into place. So one, it was a matter of building the program, and then two, uh, and this is where I really appreciate Father Matt's help, was I had to also think about how the team was going to grow. So when the team was originally formed, we had all these different thought processes and different mindsets coming into this team dynamic. So the challenge for us was, was to grow the team or, or get the team to the point where the people on the team all felt they had an equal voice and that they were all going to be listened to and then getting things into sync. So that was the challenge. Uh, you know, if we're getting away from this idea of, a, you know, I say you do type you know, hierarchical approach, and we're now dealing in more of a team structure, team format, the people that you're working with on the team all have to be recognized, and they all have to be uh, acknowledged that they all had carried an equal voice in 
there, there's a challenge there of even building that team, mm. especially when we're all like running on different things or, or purposes about why we're doing this, you know, and then that's part of the challenge too of discernment is what's your gift that you're bringing to the table as a team. And then until you finally begin to dive into that discernment of what it is, what gift you're running with, then you become part of that team. Mm. So there's that challenge too. Yeah. Well, it's all, I think part of this, this whole experience for all of us is that like we've learned, like our office has learned a lot from those of you who are earliest in the process, right? So now those that are coming along now are benefiting from some of those learnings. And I think we're all sort of groping with what renewal looks like. If we had all the answers, uh, I'm not, I think it would be amazing. And so, but you guys, but that father, father Matt, that is the struggle, isn't it? There isn't a perfect, you know, roadmap for how this works. It is a, a bit of a groping and there's things you put in place, but you're. It is, it is groping in a way that you're kind of reaching out in the dark because you're doing things that weren't part of the fabric of my own upbringing, for example. Exactly. Um, and, and for many people, I'm certain, but. I would encourage parishes to consider that when Michael, you started with your team, it was only four people Yeah. Yep. that you, when a lot of us at the parish think that we have to start like, I, well, we have to draw in at least 20 people or, or 30 people or 40 people. You can start with four mm. and you can see our, our current, like, I think I mentioned, Michael, uh, our current alpha session is 24, 25 participants. Yes. And 16 leaders. So that's 40 people a week now. Wow. And I'm not just trying to like say that for other people, but we started with four. Yeah. And with working together, meeting together, talking together, it just goes to show in four years, you know, four becomes can become seven. Seven can become 15. Seven, 15 can become 19. And, and, and in all of that, keeping people engaged engaging new people, calling new people to come in. Uh, parishes don't have to be intimidated by just trying to start this gigantic, large-scale project. You can start with five people, and if you stick to it, remain confident, talk, fix the things that aren't working, emphasize the things that are working, uh, it can and it will grow. So I, I think that's, that's what motivates me, that it, even when things go up and down, as they always do, um, you don't have to start big. You can start small no matter where you are. And when you look at each of those people, you have to recognize, I hope, how many lives they're interacting with, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and they're going home and talking about their alpha experience or talking at work about like there was something that happened in their life. Like we don't even know the seeds that we're sowing, right? Like that's right. the sort of the beauty of this. It isn't, it doesn't fit. I think part of the renewal is kind of hard for our Western minds because we want the statistics <laughs> and the metrics and the bottom line. And it's really hard to, we can do the number of people that show up, but we really can't see how the spirit is using all of those people. Right. 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 So why, I mean, it's going to be a long haul. Like we, we're very clear that it takes 10 to 12 years for a parish culture to change. And so, I mean, you're a younger priest, so that's, it's good because you're going to be around and you're going to see the fruit. I've got some we, good years left in me. 
<laughs> we have some of our older priests that are like, well, you know, I won't even see the seeds that I'm going to sow. But, but what is the hope for you, Father Matt? As you're, as again, yeah, you're you're a new pastor, relatively new. What is what is the hope that really investing now? What what is that? What's your dream? What does it look like down the road? Just to to see other people have a, a passion for my faith. It's something even from my teenage years that, you know, I, there was still a lot of ways that I needed to mature and grow from teenager until now. But I think many people, which is why when I went into seminary, people weren't necessarily surprised, but they saw that I had a passion for my faith mm. and for understanding God and understanding the voice of God in, in my life. And I'm, I'm still growing and maturing in that way. But to have a vehicle by which you can see that in other people, mm. to to be passionate. And there are an, enough people passionate about, you know, sports or, or whatever. But to have people who are passionate in faith, which can be integrated into anything you do in life. Mm career, hobbies, community, anything, and to see that there's an overarching passion that can go into anything in life. I, I think that's what makes me most hopeful is that these little things that the Archdiocese is doing and encouraging us to try do have that effect if you stay with it. Mm. And um, you have in Michael your own personal cheerleader there in your homilies, I guess. You just how many times you're gonna say Holy Spirit to get him to yell out Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful for the two of you. I, I one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is because it is important to see that you can have very different people working together um, to help build the kingdom. And that I think that you're very if you don't mind, Father Matt, a very cerebral, serious approach. And Michael's very passionate. Uh, you're passionate as well. Uh, and you're very charismatic way. Um, they're just so complimentary. It's, it's absolutely beautiful to see um, the two of you working together. So I'm very grateful for your work. Any last words, Michael? We have like 30 seconds. Nope. Just trust the Holy Spirit <laughs> and uh, let him run. Trust the Holy Spirit. Any last words, Father Matt? Uh, I'm greatly indebted to uh, Michael for his hard work and his passion, and I'm happy to have him as a friend working towards that same common goal in the parish and in the church. Well, we can't wait to check in with you in a few years and see how even more it's growing and all the new things, exciting things you're doing. Now that you have a base, there's so mm -hmm. much more that you can do once you have this base of people that get it, right? So thank Indeed. you both. Thank God you bless. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.